Hello, neighbor. You are listening to the New Garden Church podcast, and we are so glad you're here. Our church meets at 10 a.m. at DuPont Tyler Middle School in Hermitage, Tennessee. You can join us in person, or you can catch our gatherings after the fact on our YouTube channel. We would love to hear from you. We hope that you enjoy what you hear today and check back in with us again soon. Again, I want to say good morning and welcome. Uh, Titled today's sermon, Lost and Looking for Jesus. And because I want to be fully committed to any sermon I preach, I lost my sermon notes twice this morning. (laughs) I am in it. If you are just joining us uh, this morning for the first time, we've been reading the Gospel of Luke together. And paying particular attention to the way Luke pairs stories. He has a way of pairing stories and people, sometimes young and old, rich and poor, male and female. And so we've been paying attention to these pairings. And today's story is no different. Luke has not one, but two healing stories on the Sabbath. In fact, they're just a page apart, probably, in your Bible. Luke chapter 13 and 14. One was a man, the other was a woman. She was bent over. She couldn't stand up, and he had abnormal swelling, but both occurred on the Sabbath. Both people, the man and the woman, appear suddenly, and Luke tells us that. One occurred in the synagogue, and the other in the home of a Pharisee, but both stories invoke a fierce rebuke from religious leaders. Aren't there six other days? And I wonder, is there anyone else out there that as you read these stories, there's a part of you that says, maybe the Pharisees have a point. I'm not suggesting that they were right, but am I the only one that reads these stories and thinks, well, you know what? Maybe they had a point. There are six other days, Jesus. There's six other days. And there is a book, chapter, and verse for this holy command of God. Don't work on the Sabbath. They didn't invent that idea. It is there in the sacred script. She had been sick for 18 long years. And if Jesus came just to keep the peace, then you'll have a hard time convincing me. Why did he do this here in the synagogue with an audience on the Sabbath day knowing full well? The conflict and controversy it would ignite. If Jesus just came to keep the peace, then why would he do this? And if he didn't come to just keep the peace, it begs the question, what is it that Jesus is up to? What is it that Jesus is up to in this story and in our world? If he didn't come to just keep the peace, then what did he come for? And this is one of the places where the Gospel of Luke is remarkably clear. Uh, Luke chapter 19, you remember the story with Zacchaeus? 
In the very end of that encounter in Zacchaeus' house, this pronouncement is made, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Uh, This morning, I want to tell you, I am convinced that that is what Jesus is doing here. Not just with the infirmed man and woman, but also with religious leaders who had lost their way. I want to share a couple ways that I believe uh, these religious people lost their way, and you can decide whether it is relevant at all to you or me or for us. Uh, But two ways that I think this group of religious people lost their way. One, they lost sight of the larger story. Now, I confessed, I have read these texts and wondered, did the Pharisees have a point? But the only way their objections make sense, the only way, is when we lose sight of the larger story. When we lose perspective. Now, remember Sabbath and what it is that we're celebrating, what we're remembering and rehearsing. Sabbath is a command from God. It's anchored in two works of God. One, the creation, two, the exodus. But when we think about the creation, we are celebrating, we are remembering and rehearsing the fact that God acts. God created the world. And if God didn't create the world, we wouldn't be here. If God didn't give us breath, we wouldn't have it. On the Sabbath, we rest. God rested on the Sabbath, and so we rest. And every Sabbath, and it's hard for some of us to think, well, if I stop, if I stop working, everything will fall apart. We think we're a little too important. And so every week there was this reminder in the life of God's people to remind us that God is sovereign and we are not. God works. It's a reminder of God's work. And so now this group of religious people come and they encounter this woman who immediately is healed. Nobody questions that. And obviously God was involved in that. How else would she be healed? And so we ask, well, if God is in the work, then why would God be upset? What part of us think that if God gifted this woman with healing, then why would God be upset when it happens on the Sabbath? Sabbath was about creation and it was also about exodus. It's the time where we remember that we were helpless. We were without hope. We cried out and God heard our cries and God came to our side and God delivered his people. God has his ear bent and his eyes fixed on vulnerable people. And so on the Sabbath, we rehearse that story of how God delivered his people. That's the big picture story. That's who God is. That's how God acts. It's a God of deliverance with his eyes fixed and his ears turned to the vulnerable. And so when we remember that story... That our God is a God of deliverance. What part of us wonders whether that God will be upset if this woman is delivered on the Sabbath day? See, sometimes we can get so lost in the details. Is it permissible or not? Can you work? Can you heal? 
How do you work? How do you heal? And we get so caught up in the details that we miss the point of who God is and how God acts. We lose sight of the larger story and we lose our way. These stories, these acts, these practices, they all point us to who God is. Who God is. We remember that when Israel left Egypt, they left an empire with a Pharaoh that said, more bricks, no straw. And now this is a God who commissions rest. This is a God who commands and requires rest. A God who has his eyes fixed on the vulnerable. But sometimes the question at hand, the problem at work or at home or in the life of the church leads us to lose sight of the larger story. The first way I think this religious group of people lost their way is they lost perspective. They lost sight of the larger story. But two, and I think this is actually the more pointed critique that Jesus makes in this story, is that these religious people demonstrate more concern for property than they do for people. Hear the critique. Jesus makes it in Luke 13 and in Luke 14. The Lord replied, not you should have done better. Not you didn't read. The Lord replies, hypocrites, don't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or your donkey and lead that ox or donkey to get a drink. You don't bind your donkey all day on the Sabbath. But you do believe that this daughter of Abraham should stay bound in the name of Sabbath? Not only have you lost sight of the larger story, you have demonstrated more concern for property than you have for people. Notice I'm saying they they demonstrated. I don't think anybody was going around printing t-shirts saying property over people. Positions over people. I think if there were a Q&A and you asked this group of religious leaders, do you care more about property than people? They would say, no way. Not us. That's silly. But they demonstrated more concern for property than they did for people. They saw only positions to work or not to work. How much can you work? What does work require? And when we see positions over people, we're lost. In both stories, You'll notice as you read Luke 13 and 14, uh, this man and the woman, they they suddenly appear. Like out of nowhere, Luke says they, they appeared. And Jesus saw them, the woman and the man. I wonder how many people would have noticed if Jesus weren't there and they weren't watching him so closely. Oh, just another sick woman, man. Property and positions over people. And I think if only that were an ancient problem. 
If only that problem were relegated to the ancient past. If only that problem were isolated to people on the left or the right. No, it's a problem we can all be vulnerable to. When we lose sight of the larger story, we end up lost. When we demonstrate more concern for property or positions than we do for people, we are lost. And you're not going to convince me. In fact, I, I don't think you'll ever convince Luke, the writer, that Jesus didn't know what he was doing with these Sabbath healings. He knew that it would not go down easy. And he did it anyway. I believe he knew exactly what he was doing. But please hear me. Jesus didn't come to just keep the peace. He also didn't come to just point the finger. He he didn't come to keep the peace, but he came to do more than just point the finger. Did you notice where Jesus is in both of these stories? Who he's with? In the first, he is in the synagogue, as was his custom. Luke tells us that at the very beginning of the gospel. He is in the synagogue. In, In the next story, he is in the home of a Pharisee. Now, if Jesus came to just tell them off, he could have found a far more efficient way. Even in a world before Twitter. He could have issued an edict. Jesus didn't come to just point the finger at this group of religious people. You know, just before um, that statement in Luke 19, Luke 19.10, we, we get another pronouncement. I think about that encounter. I I think about the one that Zacchaeus encountered. So we get the pronouncement that Jesus came to seek and save the lost. But in verse 9, we hear this. Today, Zacchaeus, salvation has come to this house. Because this too, this man, he too is a son of Abraham. See, I believe Jesus is seeking and saving the lost. That is, his compassion extends, yes, to those who are sick in a way that everybody can see, but also to this group of religious leaders who had lost their way. To people like us, even religious people who can lose our way. To remember that salvation comes. Salvation came to Zacchaeus' house Salvation comes today, but it doesn't come by keeping Sabbath or by avoiding conflict. Salvation comes from meeting Jesus, from knowing Him. And in Him, we see who God is and how God acts. Did you notice that this this woman who is healed and even Zacchaeus, they get the same title? daughter of Abraham, son of Abraham. We too are called sons and daughters of Abraham. That we are adopted co-heirs of the king. Uh, This, over the last couple weeks, I got to share a few really sacred moments uh, with a woman that I'm not sure how many of you know, um, Sherry West. Uh, She used to usually would sit right around there. Uh, And she came and came with uh, an illness that she knew 
She didn't know what treatment would do and how effective it would be. And I got a text. Actually, Suzanne got the text early this morning that she passed away last evening. But in those sacred moments and, and last weekend when I got to go sit with Sherry, um, she, she came in and she said, Jeff, uh, you know, I'm not even sad. I, I know we're all going to die, but I just have this peace. I bet she said it five times. I just have this peace. And the peace didn't come because the treatments worked. The, the peace didn't come because of her prognosis here on earth. And she still had all kinds of questions. She was open about that. She said, Jeff, do you remember that hymn, Farther Along? I'll know all about it. She said, I still have so many questions. But farther along, I'll, I'll know. Salvation didn't come because she got all the answers because the treatment worked. Salvation came because she knew Jesus. She knew in that moment that I am his and he is close. That's where salvation comes for us. Not in a prognosis, not in this particular set of circumstances. You know, there were religious people. When Jesus walked among us here on earth, who missed the point. Jesus says, you search the scriptures, but you miss the point. You miss the whole point. You miss that all scripture points to me. They missed the point because they couldn't see Jesus. You know, Zacchaeus couldn't see Jesus at first. He's the, the man that we have the little songs, the songs about, the wee little man. He climbed the tree, and it's true, Zacchaeus will climb a tree to see Jesus, but in just a little while, as we keep reading this gospel, Jesus will carry his own tree. He'll be fixed to it, so that you and I, the world around us, can see exactly who God is and how God acts. In a world where it's really easy to lose sight of the larger story, at a time when it is ever so easy to demonstrate more concern for property and positions than we do for people, uh, I believe our hope comes when we raise our eyes towards Him. I know this series has been in the Gospel of Luke, and we've paid attention to the pairings, young and old, rich and poor, male and female, and these encounters with Jesus. But I actually want to invite you into another text as we close today. Every single one of these pairings are people who encounter Jesus. And though we've been in Luke, I want to invite you now to an admonition that comes from Hebrews. Because I, I think it lands with every single one of us. Whether this morning you find yourself sick in a way that everybody can see, you know it. Like this man, this woman who show up in the middle of the story, you know, I am sick, I need help, and everybody can see it. Or you find yourself like that group of religious people who um, maybe you didn't mean to, but you say, well, I think I've kind of lost my way. We've lost our way. Lost sight of the larger story, demonstrated more concern for things than we do for people. Uh, this admonition is the same. Salvation, it won't come from keeping Sabbath or avoiding conflict. It comes from encountering Jesus. Uh, and so, hear this invitation. 
the bolded words that will appear, if you'll read those words with me. Will you stand? And we're going to, the words that come up next in red, we'll read those words together. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Lord, would you raise our eyes so that we might see you. That's it for this time. Thank you for checking in with us, and we'll be back with another episode next week.